The scripture reading from this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 7 to 18. So again Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own knows me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. If you're like me, and the first time you hear that, you're like, huh, that's not very Christmassy. We're going to see if we can point out uh, a couple places, though, where it is a little Christmassy. I told 8.30, I said, whoever typed this up did not do it in a big enough font. That was me. Jesus and his disciples, well, let me say this too. I'm scattered. Let's go back just one chapter to Luke 9, John 9. See how scattered I am? To John 9 and put this into some context. Jesus and his disciples in John chapter 9. They were out and about one day when they came across a man who had been blind since birth. His disciples asked him, they said, Rabbi, what caused this man to be blind? Who sinned? Him Or his parents? Who's at fault? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but he was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. There's a little bit more back and forth, and Jesus starts just spitting in the dirt. Just making a mess. Stirs it up. Puts it on his hands and starts wiping it in this guy's eyes. You know. Merry Christmas. Now go and take a bath. The guy did. Bingo, bango. He was healed. But Jesus, being the rebel that he is, was healing on the Sabbath. So the Pharisees, of course, got their tunics all in a knot. um, And they bring the now formerly blinded man in for questioning. He relays this mucus-based healing. 
And the Pharisees act out some good cop, bad cop. There's some more back and forth. They decide ultimately that they need to speak to this man's parents. They don't believe that he's been blind since birth. So they're going to go right to the source. The parents come in, and this is a big deal to be called before the Pharisees. They know they could get in serious trouble. They are fearful. Fearful that they would now be associated with rebel Jesus. So they denied knowing anything about their son's miraculous healing. They put it all back on him to answer for himself. They said, he's old enough. You can take him at his word. We want, we want to stay out of this. So moved by the Spirit and filled with joy over his restored eyesight, full of what I can only imagine is a fair bit of adrenaline, this man is now called back in before the Pharisees and in a similar manner to the acts of the early apostles and with as much bravado and sass as Stephen, this man has a few choice words for the gathered quorum of Pharisees. I love these moments. So for the second time that day, they called the man who had been blind and they said to him, give glory to God. We know that Jesus is a sinner. So the man answered, I do not know whether or not he is a sinner. One thing I do know, though, is that I was blind, but now I can see. So the Pharisees said to him, they said, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? The man answered them. He said, I have told you. I have told you already, you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be some of Jesus' disciples? Oh, 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 absolutely not. They reviled him, saying, you are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. So the blind, formerly blind man answered, he said, Here's the astonishing thing. Here's the real deal. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He does, listens only to those who worship and obey his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing the Pharisees answered him, you were born entirely in sin, and you're trying to tell us about this? And they booted him out. Well, word got back to Jesus that they had driven him out. And when Jesus found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? The formerly blind man answered, who is he? Tell me so that I may believe and I may worship him. Tell me. And Jesus goes, dun, dun, dun. You're looking at him. And the man professed his belief and worshiped Jesus. Jesus went on to say, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see. And those who do see may become blind. Well, some of the Pharisees nearby heard that. So they walked over to start something and they said, surely, Jesus, surely you do not mean that we are blind. And Jesus got a little sassy. He says, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But here you are running around telling everybody, we see. So you're kind of neck deep in it. It's at this point, I imagine, a crowd has gathered um, this formerly blind man can now see, he's proclaimed his faith in Jesus, is openly worshiping Jesus, whatever that looks like. And Jesus is getting all up in the grill 
of some of the Pharisees. You know, it's like an altercation with the principal in the cafeteria. Everyone's going to watch. So Jesus puts on, um, puts on his big voice to speak to the crowd gathering. He says, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And it is here that as a former elementary school teacher, I sympathize with Jesus. You get rolling on a subject. You're really excited about it, thinking you're saying something that's just really meaningful and profound. And then you pause to look out at the classroom and all you see are gaping mouths and glossy eyes. Similar to being a pastor sometimes. (laughs) But this brings us to our reading today. Jesus has been working Saving souls, literally opening the eyes of the blind and confirming in their hearts his role as Lord and Savior. He has confronted the false teachers and now has the attention of a fair number of people who have gathered in the temple courtyard and with the poise and intentionality of a master educator. With the love of a parent as if speaking to their child, Jesus breaks it down. So again, Jesus says to them, Truly, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Now just really quickly here, and I apologize if you've heard some of this before. But Jesus is putting things into a form that would hopefully fall within a context area, a frame of reference that his audience would understand. In our scripture this morning, Jesus is laying out some of the basic understandings of sheep herding for that time and place, shepherding, sheep herding, right? Al talked about that with the children this morning. When Jesus mentions the sheepfold, he is talking about a circle of rocks with one opening. Such a containment was provided for those nights when the sheep were to be kept in the fields, like on Christmas Eve, out in the fields of light. Such temporary sheepfolds usually consisted of a circle of rocks, this opening at one end, and the shepherd himself would serve as the gate, laying across the entrance to sleep. And then whether a sheep tried to leave or a wolf tried to enter, they would have to do so by the way of the shepherd himself. The shepherd was the door. Now, and this is where it gets fun. Jesus first identifies himself, not as the good shepherd, that does come later, but first as the gate for the sheep. It's so important that he says it twice, and anything that Jesus says twice, we should give special care and attention to. I am the gate. What really struck me about this is there's not just this sheep gate here where the shepherd sleeps, but... In the city of Jerusalem, around the ancient walls, there was a gate on the north of the city by which animals were brought in from the surrounding areas 
for sacrifice. It was called the Sheep Gate. Father Thomas Rusica, a Catholic priest, expounds upon this moment. He says, Once inside the city and within the temple courts, there was only one door where the sheep went in, and no lamb ever came back out after entering the temple precincts. They traveled in only one direction, and there they were sacrificed for the sins of human beings. So for that first audience who heard Jesus' teaching about sheep, such knowledge added to the shock of his words. I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Here in the very temple area, most likely filled with sheep on their way to slaughter, Jesus is declaring that there is a way out. I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd, he says. So here Jesus is making these sweeping statements about the very Pharisees that are standing in front of him, referring to them as thieves and bandits. He clarifies that all who follow him may come and go freely through his grace. He is the gate. And he goes on to clarify that he is the good shepherd, so much so that he would lay down his life for his sheep, which is ultimately what he came to do. Merry Christmas. Jesus goes on with a few more clarifications. He is not a hired hand. He's not in it for the glory, fame, or money. He is invested in the life of the flock. Chapter 10, verse 12, the hired hand does not own the sheep. Those who follow Christ have been bought and paid for. We have been purchased. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, he says, You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Verse 13, the hired hand does not care for the sheep. Members of Christ's flock are cared for like no other, so much so that the Lord of all creation would take on mortal flesh to come down here and show us. Again, Merry Christmas. 1 John chapter 5, this is the confidence we have toward him. If we ask it, he will hear us, and we know if he hears us, he will take care of it. We are cared for like no other. The shepherds, when they would bring their sheep into these folds at night, they would inspect each of them one at a time from head to tail, look them over to make sure any scratches, that there was nothing wrong with their fur or any other irritations, make sure they were healthy and well, and then allow them into the fold. They would not allow a sick or injured sheep in. So they would check over their sheep. They would care for them. We are known, Jesus says, verse 14, I know my own and my own know me. And then Jesus goes on to say, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, Jesus puts his relationship with the flock on the same level of intimacy that is shared amongst the Holy Trinity. I know my sheep in the same manner that the Father knows me. Oh Lord, you have searched me. And known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You are acquainted with all of my ways. Psalm 139 goes on, but you get the point. And it is here that we get to the climax of this lesson. 
in what would be the most upsetting line for the Pharisees to hear, a lesson that even the disciples struggled with well up through Peter's vision of the animals coming down in a sheet. sheet. Jesus says here, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice, so that there will be one flock, one shepherd. It just doesn't get any more Christmassy than that. I envision, I think about the Holy Communion between the Father, Son, and Spirit, and a conversation taking place between the Son and the Father, saying, they have to come too. I'm going to go get them. One of the features that comes from being both fully God and fully man is that Jesus gets to be both the gate and the good shepherd. He is not only our guide to eternal life, but also the means through which we enter into it. It is because of Christ's physical presence on the cross that we are forever enclosed in the safety of his care. Jesus is the gate. There is no other way to heaven than through him. He is the only voice to follow. His presence in our lives is the only thing that is keeping us from destruction and death. Because as followers of Jesus Christ, we are in the sheepfold. But remember, there are other sheep that do not yet belong to this fold. Jesus must bring them also, and they will listen to his voice, so that there will be one flock, one shepherd. Many scholars believe that Jesus was talking about the Gentiles. They were not awaiting the Messiah, but they would ultimately receive the good news with joy. But this morning, I'm wondering, who are the sheep in today's world that Jesus said must come in to God's sheepfold. Who is Jesus calling into our sheepfold? Everyone? They said that at 8.32. Yeah. Two quick thoughts as we ponder this this morning and work through it. Are there other sheep joining our flock? Sometimes. Does the population of our church reflect the wonder and diversity of creation? I am convinced that there is nothing wrong with the shepherd. The voice of Jesus is clear. His message of peace and salvation is carried by the Holy Spirit to the hearts of women and men throughout our town. I am certain. I'm also convinced that there's not really too much wrong with the sheep. So go ahead and take a breath of relief here. <laughs> we are all imperfect, but doing our best to live into the sanctifying grace of Jesus Christ. But there is a disconnect that must be addressed. If the shepherd is good and the sheep are mostly good, where is this disconnect? What is missing from this picture between the sheep and the shepherd? It's the gate. 
Jesus is the shepherd. He is the good shepherd that will never change. He is our eternal gate, the only way to the Father. But down here, in the fields of creation, and in the absence of a physical body sleeping in the opening of the sheepfolds, we the sheep, the embodiment and physical presence of Christ in this world, must join him in being the gate. We are the gate. You are the gate. It is easy to see ourselves as followers of the Good Shepherd. It is good and comfortable to live under the watchful eye of our loving Lord. We are more than happy to make room and welcome others into our fold should they happen to wander in. But we are also the gates. And this is probably not a role that we often think about or even fully understand that we have. But let me ask you, do we see ourselves as guardians against the bandits, thieves, and wolves of this world? If not, why not? And if so, are we doing that? Should we provide protection and safety to the most vulnerable? Are our hearts, minds, and doors opened wide enough to allow the other sheep in? Or are we a barrier blocking their entrance? The Pharisees passed that blind man every day. And they deemed him sinful and unworthy. The people who were supposed to help did nothing because they, even like the disciples, thought that his troubles were deserved. He was supposed to be blind. That was just God's righteousness at work. But Jesus, Jesus Christ, the full embodiment of love, light from light, true God from true God, takes ownership of this man cares for this man because he knows him. And like all of the other shepherds, Jesus checks him over, makes sure he is healed and well, and brings him into the fold. When Jesus hears that this man is being persecuted by the Pharisees, he goes to find him. That is what the good shepherd does. The gate provides protection and safety to the sheep. So let me ask you again. Who are those other sheep? What groups of people are looked down upon, ostracized? Who have you passed on the streets that deserved their lot in life? Who is in danger? What groups of people are ignored? Who are those other sheep? Are they black? Are they poor? Are they Muslim? Are they agnostic, atheist, or an immigrant, a refugee? Are they Hispanic, gay, or handicapped? Did you think of the elderly when I said this? Did you think of a privileged millennial who deserves to be out of a job because life isn't supposed to be easy? There goes the bagpipes. It is my hope and prayer that as we look ahead to 2017, we can begin to address some of these questions that, we're, are, that I'm raising this morning. 
Are we a reflection of a diverse kingdom? Are we willing to be more than sheep? Will we provide protection for those who need it? Will we guard against the thieves, bandits, and wolves who are coming to steal, kill, and destroy? Will we open the gates of our hearts, minds, and church to bring in other sheep? Will we work towards the ultimate vision of one flock who follows one shepherd? If this sounds like something you're interested in, then let's read a book together. Early next year, along with Hinton Avenue and Wesley United Methodist Church, we will have the opportunity to read a book called Between the World and Me by ta Coates. We will have the opportunity to support two gap ministries through donations of laundry and bathroom supplies, perhaps even beginning our own gap ministry. If you're interested in wrestling with these questions, then let's you and me talk. Let's talk about impact, Pacham, the clergy collective. Let's talk about Haiti, Lithuania, ASP, bread and blessings, loaves and fishes. There is no shortage of opportunities for us to grow, learn, and serve, but we must be intentional about what we have been called to do, and we must begin to understand our dual roles as both sheep and gates to the sheepfold. I'll close with the same words that Jesus concluded his lesson with. It starts at verse 17. Jesus says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Merry Christmas. Amen.